Hey, welcome back to the Bring It Back podcast. My name is Nathan. And I'm Micah. And we wanna just have really authentic, unique conversations and try to tackle different topics that maybe you don't hear, kind of navigating through the lens that we'll look at things through. We're gonna use the Bible as the lens and the foundation that builds our worldview and gives us kind of the answers to some of these questions that we're talking about. So thanks for joining and let's get into it. This is the week of Nate's birthday. Happy early birthday, Nate. Thank you. Do you make your birthday a big deal? Are you a fan of that? No, I mean, I do like to celebrate my birthday. Right. And historically have. Last year I had a roller skating party. Yeah. I required everyone to wear 70s and 80s attire. Required. I mean, strongly encouraged. Sure. And if you didn't show up, you look like a freaking loser is all I got to (laughs) say. Um, But this year I don't have any big plans. Um. I, I meant to, and maybe tomorrow I still will, get on Instagram, post my address publicly, and Whoa. ask for people to write me a letter. Because <laughs> I, I really do. I like written word. I like getting stuff in the mail. Like, fun mail yeah. is so fun. I think I do a good job of creating custom cards for people's birthdays. Okay. Like, I just take pictures of us. I make a little design in Canva. Really? I print it at Walgreens, and then... I use a 50% off coupon that Walgreens always has up for their photo stuff. Okay. I love it. I think it's really fun. It shows a little bit of intentionality. Yeah. I'm not even expecting that from people. I just want someone to sit down for one minute and scribble some stuff. You could say nice stuff about me, or you could just update me on what you're doing in your life. I think just getting that mail, uh, that would be awesome. So Uh I might be doing that. Right. I'm putting a calendar reminder on Thursday to to write a letter for Nate so that way I don't look like a bad friend and forget. That's good, dude. Writing those calendar reminders are are a good way to be a good friend. That's just where I'm at in life these days is that I need calendar reminders. Um, You know what I've always said? You know Make or Break? You ever play that game? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. With relationships? Yeah, Yeah. and the question that always got me was like, she's perfect in every way, but she wears like a birthday girl sash on her birthday. I'm out. I'm running for the hills. I'm I sprinting the opposite direction, bro. I can't do it. <laughs> the too much. Yeah, the self-glorification. That is, vanity is not attractive. Uh, I think that's one thing that I have really, the, yeah, being being consumed with self. Uh, what was the, the quote, uh, C.S. Lewis? I think it's humility is not thinking mm-hmm. less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love celebrating people's birthdays. I don't like it when I can tell they really, really, really want me to celebrate their birthday. Yeah. That's my beef with birthdays. I'm grateful. I don't think I have too many of those friends. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a big requirement. I know for Ashley, it's birthday's a big deal. Oh, my I fault. Think, love. I think love half Ashley. birthday is, yeah, yeah you're stepping in <laughs> bad territory right now, but she doesn't have a sash, so you're good. Thank goodness. Um, but like birthday is big and, and she had her parents come in for, from Dallas uh, they had some appointments, and then it was like, hey, let's go ahead and celebrate Nate's birthday, too. Oh, nice. But they just kept asking me to go to, like, nice places for my birthday. Yeah. And I, maybe I just grew up poor or something. I'm just like, no, we don't need <laughs> to go do so, anything. Like, let's just hang out. Or yeah. We ended up going to Texas Roadhouse. I love Texas Roadhouse. Nice. That's just, like, a consistent, give me a good steak and some of those cinnamon buttery rolls. Oh, man. And I feel... Loved and celebrated, just hanging out, just doing things. You know? I just like being around my friends. Yeah. Like my ideal birthday every year is take like my, probably I have eight or so really close friends. Just have them over to the house. Yeah. Hang out. Yep. Don't even need to do anything. That, that is... I don't, I don't like 
obligating other people to spend money. That just feels weird sometimes. Yeah. Though I like going out to eat and stuff. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's what last year was fun because I made that birthday party with another gal and we just bought everything. Oh, wow. And then just everybody could come. That's and I like that. Like, yeah. as an adult, uh, to pay a couple hundred bucks just to create an environment that your friends are having a good time. Yeah. That feels better to me than... Yeah, like, hey, you need to come here and do this. I love creating an environment. I love bringing people together. Yeah, it, it's fun to to pay for things for other people. Yeah. When you have money. It is. When you're working in a job that you know is fulfilling God's purpose in your life. There it is. And the point of working is to make as much money as you can. No. So you can retire quick and oh. enjoy the last 10 years of your life when you don't have to work. When you're decrepit. work is bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair. You see how dumb that sounds when you say it like that? It does sound dumb. Uh, So... Nate and I were texting about 20 minutes ago about what we were going to talk about tonight. Solid and prep, solid prep. Thankfully, I had just had um, a great time this afternoon, went to one of my old professor's classes at Oral Roberts University and talked to her class about finding purpose in your work. So it is fresh on my mind and something that at the company that I currently work for, we place a big emphasis on of finding purpose in your day to day. So I don't know, Nate and I may think about occupations differently. Actually, I know we do. Uh, in some context, but when you think about finding purpose in your work or like what to look for in a job, what are the important things to you? Yeah, that's good. Just the other night, the roomies and I were sitting around talking about doing things under the glory of God, like yeah. doing things with excellence and mm -hmm. similar kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. But when I think about like, what do I look for? Was that the question? Yeah. Like in, in work, the biggest and most consistent thing is the people. Mm -hmm. So who am I working with? Who am I working around? Who am I working for? Yeah. Um, and what kind of impact do I think that I can make on their life? So it's big. I've had, uh, I can think of one job whenever I was teaching that there was just a different environment and I was exposed to people who weren't in my regular circle. Yeah. And so it was a great ministry opportunity. Um, didn't have as many people that I felt like were, you know, maybe training or, or helping coach me up in a way, but I had a lot of opportunity to out, outpour. Right. So people is a big one that I look for in work. And then um, I think in work just, yeah, w with doing things with excellence, that typically comes with time that you've invested in a thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I think about work, I like to think, what skill sets do I bring to the table and how can I actually use those? So right. I think there's a few different reasons people leave jobs. Yeah. You feel like you're not being compensated for the value that you bring. Sure. Uh, you feel like you are not being given opportunities to be maximally utilized. Mm -hmm. um, or you just don't feel like you're, people don't see the work that you do, sure. like that it's not good. So I think in short, to answer your question, I look for the people and I look for opportunities to use skills that I've been yeah. blessed with or that I've refined. Yeah, that's good. I like that you didn't go to finances or... Oh yeah, and you got to make money too. Like it is true. No, I, no, I, I like think there is. Yeah, mention that. Yeah, that's good. Um, we the idea of work is something I've thought about a lot over the last few years, and really the reason I work for the company I do now is because of their view on work, and have really dove into this idea of like our work and our worship being one unified act. So it feels like people are pretty aware, at least more so now, that their worship is not just being done on a Sunday morning. Like they understand that they need to worship God with their actions. Would you agree? I feel like that's something that people are pretty aware of nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I think there's still a little bit of a drop off when it comes to how we think about our occupation, that is our paid time, we're being compensated to do. 
and there's still a disconnect. And I think something that was big for me was in the Old Testament, there's this word, avoda, in Hebrew, in the original text. And the word avoda is synonymous for work, worship, and service. And there's a few different places, like in the Old Testament, where you can see that word used synonymously. So like in Exodus 34, 21, uh, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And Exodus 8, 1, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go so that they may serve me. And in Joshua 24, 14, it says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. And essentially what you can do in all those different translations, when it either says like serve, worship, whatever it is, you can look at the word serve and replace it with worship because that that word is used, avoda, in the original text. And then when you get into our current translations, like ESV, NLT, whatever your translation is, is where the differences come. When really in the original text, that word is used to describe an all-encompassing work and worship. So it seems as though God is not differentiating like our paid compensated time from worship. Like he wants those to be done in tandem together. And that even though we're being paid to do something, we can still do that to his glory in a way that worships him. So that's the idea that I've been thinking a lot about and we think a lot about. What do you so think? does that mean that if I am to do my work unto the Lord, that I have to be in ministry and work at a church? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I really hope that people know that. One of my biggest... I think annoyances with my time at Oral Roberts University, which I loved, was the amount of people who think they're called to be a lead pastor and they've never thought about anything other than being a, I need to work in full-time vocational ministry. And I don't think that everybody who's called to teach needs to be a pastor. I think we need good teachers in every area of life. So the idea that you have to be in full-time vocational ministry to be using like your gifts and to glorify God is not true. Like, regardless of your occupation, if you're a teacher, a coach, if you work in retail and medical, whatever it is, you play an essential role in the body of Christ, and you are no less than like the pastor who's teaching on Sunday morning to the missionary, to anybody else, and you have your sphere of influence that you have an opportunity to love well. So I hope if you don't hear anything else from the pod, I would want you to hear that, like, hey, your work matters to God and it's important to the body of Christ and you're no lesser a part of that just because you don't work in full-time vocational ministry. Yeah, I think for me, I uh, have identified some skill sets that I do have. Yeah. And one of them is like pastoral care. Yeah. Like I I, I think I do a good job, like even just talking with you, I think you do that as well. Like taking notes of, of something, I want to make sure Nathan feels loved on his birthday. Yeah. I'm going to send out that letter, whether or not he posts it on Instagram or not. I'm just... That's something I'm going to do to make sure that he feels taken care of. Right. Like those kind of practical things uh, show that you're caring for the flock, a group of people yeah. that, you know, you you feel responsible for to some capacity. And so um, maybe one or two years of my life, I've considered going into full-time ministry. Right. Most of my life, I've thought I don't want to because I don't want to have like a monetary compensation tied to that care. Yeah. Right? That's my own There's process. There's temptation that comes along with that. Sure. Like that's that's my thought process. And I don't want to take anyway. We need pastors and I'm yep. grateful for my pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is still a place and people who are called, please, dude, go, go be pastors. Do a good job tending to the flock. Right. If you recognize that you do have that skill set, please practice it mm-hmm. wherever you're working. 100%. Um, th- there are people on your team. There are people beneath you and, and ahead of you, people around you 
that do need to be cared for and you've got the gift. And if you're not operating using that gift, you're wasting it. You're squandering it. Yeah. Um, and I think that God does take offense to that of us being lazy, of us not yeah. utilizing the things that he's given us. Yeah, that's a great point. I love what you just said is and not waiting. So like if you're called to teach and you're called to disciple, there's no need for you to wait for someone to compensate you for that or to have a specific position to be in for you to operate in those gifts. And I even think that to wait for those opportunities maybe even idolizes the role itself and downplays like the effectiveness of everybody else. And I think that's even why we have so many, we have such a differentiation between like full-time vocational ministry and everybody else, because we've created this stigma that like only pastors can teach and they're the really important ones. And I really dislike that. And I've always felt like the Lord has given me um, like a desire and a gift to teach in some capacity. There's very few times where I've been paid for that. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't utilize that gift. Like if you want to teach people, you don't have to like wait till you're paid for it. You can start doing that now. And I think on the flip side of that is that, especially if you work in like a for-profit corporate world or a non-Christian world, I think those are the people who need to be taught and need to be discipled and need to be loved the most, the people who aren't going to go to church on a Sunday. And you have an opportunity to intersect with people every single day that aren't going to step foot in the church and aren't going to hear the gospel preached to them on a Sunday. And you're with them for 40 hours a week. So you have a great opportunity to to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your day to day. Like that's what the, the body of Christ is about. Like churches for worshiping God first and foremost, and then equipping the saints to intersect with the world that is full of like broken people who are in need of a savior. And like, that's your role in the body of Christ, regardless of what your occupation is. And again, I, I hope that doesn't come across to like downplay full-time vocational ministry. Like pastoring is important. Like we need people, we need churches. I'll also say like pastoring is a really hard job. Like that's a really hard taxing job. Like if you want a job where people are mad at you all the time for something, you like go be a lead pastor. I, I think a lot of people don't understand the weight that truly comes around along with lead pastoring that want to get into it so bad. Yeah, my one of my friends in a small group, his name's Randy. He plays pickleball with me. Randy. Yeah. Um, there, there's a bit of an age gap between us, but we've bonded over some some conversations about like how to care for people. And he, he was a lead pastor for many years out in Arkansas. And uh, he briefly shared about some of the challenges of giving or, or presenting or whatever the word is, officiating at a funeral um, especially of people yep. that you don't even know. Um, so like just an interesting position. And then it's like, what are you supposed to say about a person whose life has ended? Their family is all here. Yeah. And then he just gave some great practical examples to me of like, well, you want to make sure that they feel comforted. Right. Um, and that he feels honored, you know, like somewhere like the life of that person. So, right. um, I, it just, whenever you reminded me, it reminded me of the, the challenge of being a pastor is sometimes you, you do things like go to people's funerals that you don't even know. But you're supposed to care for that group of people yeah. of which you have zero typical responsibility. But today, please do a great today, day. All eyes are on you yeah. to recap their life well. So thank you, pastors. And I did have one more uh, thing on um, one time pastor conversation that I had. It was helpful in reframing my perspective. I felt like the pastor is supposed to be like out maybe in the streets or knocking on doors or whatever, trying to. Mm -hmm. drum up more church attendance or something like that. And one of my pastors in the past expressed, he's like, Nathan, that's what I need you to do. Like, yeah. I really, I, I need you um, to look at your community and find people who are broken and hurting yeah. and invite them into the folds of the family. And then um, like just thinking about 
an organization or a group of people, like we have different roles and responsibilities. The pastor, his his job is to look over the flock and care for the people. And us, we need to bring more people in. Like yeah. we need to bring that, that, that flock, like the Great Commission does give us clear instruction on what we're supposed to do, sharing our testimony in an effort to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just really hope that if you're listening, you like you understand, I'll say it again, like your work matters and it does not matter less if you are not, you know, in full-time ministry. And I think when you think about like people really want to do discipleship and it's almost like discipleship should be kind of a buzzword, which is weird because it's just such a normal like Christian word, but people want to do discipleship, which is great, but they feel like they have to have like a certain formula for discipleship or it needs to be like in a program. Like we need to do a discipleship program. It really, I, I almost think that sometimes programs, they're great. They're not always going to be the most effective for discipleship. Like a lot of times the most effective discipleship that I've received is just like the in-between conversations, like with my boss at work right now, when we finish up the meeting and he just sits and says like, Hey, how's life going? And he takes time to talk with me. That wasn't planned. Uh, the people you're working with are the people you have the greatest opportunity to see like the body of Christ operate as it's supposed to. Cause you are doing life with them day in and day out. So like, let your coworkers be involved with your struggle, be invested in their lives and, and support them prayerfully. If you work with non-believers, don't shy away from talking about your faith. That doesn't mean you have to be like bombarding them with, you know, the gospel message all day, every day. But I think the temptation, at least for me, is to sometimes to almost feel like I need to pull my punches and not talk about things that I would typically talk about with people. Whereas with my believer friends, I'll, I'll talk about like the things the Lord's doing in my life. And I know the temptation is for me to not talk about that around people who I know are not believers, but get uncomfortable, like talk about those things. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there, especially within the workplace. Yeah. And in, in the workplace, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the person now who may be listening, who isn't in full-time ministry and they're trying to find some, uh, justification or, or yeah, there's people that I could talk to or whatever, but how do I really figure out like my purpose in work, like where I'm at? Cause maybe you, you may be in some dead end job and you could be investing in other people, but maybe there is something greater and bigger in your life that you could be working towards. Yeah. I have a little bit of an apprehension to Oral Roberts University it's a school we went to. We have a, a slogan there. It says, make no little plans here. I have my own hesitation with encouraging people to just like, oh, make make no little plans. Because I do think that there is, maybe maybe God has commanded you or given you a plan to, to take care of somebody, like someone with special needs or an elderly parent or something. And that doesn't sound like great and massive and like a big plan, you know, but it's very important. So, you know, the question of how do I figure out um, what my purpose is either in work or in life or whatever. There's a great Psalm. 57 2 it says i cry out to god most high to god who fulfills his purpose for me and i i like that verse uh because i think it's very timely for myself in identifying um yeah god what do you want me to do because this past week i i was pretty sad actually really? just like thinking about um like I really enjoy dating this girl, Ashley. Mm -hmm. I really like my my goal at this point in time is to marry her and I can see like a future. It's great. But I, I don't have like a real full-time job. Yeah. And so there's, there's a practical component of I want to make sure that I can financially support and like take care of her. And I've got a little bit of a, 
identity crisis, you know, mm-hmm. of like, I know that I'm not what I produce in work, right. and yet you got to make money, like just in life. Sure. It's it's a responsible a responsibility that you do have to take up. You can't just, I don't know, you can't be so uh, full of yourself or have such a lazy mindset to say, well, God will just provide for me if I don't do anything. Sure. Like that, that's just, that is not... Um, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. At all. <laughs> it's not the right way to think. So um, I had, yeah, just a couple of sad moments this week of thinking like, oh, I'm frustrated with where I'm at. And yet that verse just reminds me, it's like, well, talk to God. Like he He cares about what you right. care about, the frustration that you're feeling. Maybe Nathan, you have identified some some things that you do bring to the table with different um, you know, occupational skill sets. Right. Um, but if you checked in with me in a while, like maybe you were asking me a year ago or six months ago what you wanted uh, to do or what you wanted, how you wanted to be guided in this transition in life. But uh, yeah, the verse just brings comfort to me. And I hope to somebody else say, if you're feeling stuck at your job or in between, um, you can cry out to God yeah. and he will talk to you. Yeah. I think there's times like to leave jobs. Uh, I, I think people probably leave jobs more often than they should. My biggest thing with jobs is that like boredom is not a good reason to leave a job, I don't think. Um, I I do genuinely believe that the longer you stay planted somewhere, obviously the more impact you could have for the kingdom because you get to see the long work of sanctification in people's lives. So I wouldn't let boredom be your number one and only reason to leave a job. There are things that maybe like the Lord has a different opportunity for you. And like, that's a valid thing that the Lord does. Like different seasons have different places that he might want you to invest in. But I think if you're thinking about leaving your job or taking a job, you need to ask yourself, like, why? Like, why do I want to take this job or why do I want to leave this job? And ask yourself that question a few times and really try to get to the bottom of what it is. Is it because you're bored? Is it because you don't feel like you're being compensated enough? Um, and I feel as though the decision-making process when it comes to to picking a job should not exclusively, but a big fart, a big fart, a big factor of it should be what opportunity does this present for me to see the gospel move forward and see like the kingdom of God expanded? Like which of these jobs offers the most opportunity for that? And I think that's a good starting place to see like, just kind of keep ourselves in check to kind of keep maybe the love of money at bay when it comes to compensation or like what you're getting to do. So I think start there and think more about like, how can I honor God in whatever occupation it is more so than what occupation am I specifically supposed to do? I think if you value, um, you know, if you involve the Lord in that and you make that your goal, I, I think you'll probably end up in the right place. And I think you'll feel pretty good about it because you've placed, you know, the Lord is your number one priority in that. And then I made decisions based off of it. Yeah. Just check yourself. Be real with yourself because money is typically the motivator. Like just whether you are a greedy individual or some regular person who's just trying to feel like you're getting a fair compensation for mm-hmm. what you're doing. Um that may be like where I, Mike and I disagree a little bit on on occupation things like the boredom thing. That's not necessarily justification that I would think of, but I have left, I think, three jobs mm-hmm. by and and then had some other plan like move to New Zealand or go to some other state or just go make a different way to make money by making videos like. Sure not having a secure plan mm-hmm. and the feeling of release of quitting a job does feel good. Uh, so there is that, like if you're in a toxic work environment, 
you've been complaining about your job for years and everybody's tired of hearing you complain about that, number one, I just encourage you to do everything without grumbling and complaining. Yeah, less. <laughs> uh, but, you know, number two, if that's been something consistent in your life where you recognize there's not fruit being produced here, I'm toiling in the sun yeah. and there is nothing to show for it. Uh, great. Well, you need to leave. The wise thing to do would be to find some other occupation to backfill so there's a smooth transition, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't done in my life, but that's what I recommend to everybody. Sure. Uh, so, um, yes, there are times to leave your job. And I like what Micah said about the longer you stay at a place, um, the visual I always use is a tree, deeper yeah. your roots go, wider your yeah. shade provides to other people, and the more transformation you can see in people's lives based off of what you've been a part of or the other people. Uh, mm-hmm. What has God done in this place for these people? Right. Um, love it. Yeah. And I think the last thing I would say is I think it's important to identify your why when you're working. Ask yourself why five times and you'll get to the bottom of, you know, your understanding of truly why you're doing something. So if your goal is to work and make enough money to retire by a certain stage, that's fine. I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest, but call it what it is. So I think the more you can identify why you're doing something, the more motivation you'll be able to find. And I would submit that I think if you are a follower of Christ and you have submitted your life to him, that your why should be how like I, I want to make God known in the context of my work and I want to worship him well in that. And I think, again, things fall into place when you place those priorities first. So identify your why. And if it's a little bit off from maybe like what the Bible would teach, I would try to re center that a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, there was a uh, class that I taught. It was called Career Life Development. And there was one week where we talked about how to be a high performer. Mm-hmm. And we just looked at a bunch of different individuals, CEOs of neurological com- uh, companies and organizations and just people who are kind of crushing it, you know, yeah. and crushing it. I do mean like financially, having a number of people working for you, right. whatever metric you want to measure there. Uh, the consistent thing that we found with all those different people that we looked at was that they had a very strong why. Mm. Um, whether it be an individual who grew up in a poor environment, had limited access to education and tools to learn, and then his why was to get a lot of fundraising so that poor areas could have access to that. Yeah, That was his motivator. Like His yeah. own personal experience prompted him to make a direct impact and better the lives of people around. I love it. Like those yeah. kind of stories. Yeah. Really cool. And um, I think each of us could do a little self-evaluation and think like, what is my unique makeup? What have I been through? Like typically your trauma or your your negative experiences uh, will, will push you and prompt you to feel some kind of vindication for overcorrecting the mm-hmm. corruption that happened to you, which I think is great. If you haven't had a bunch of junk happen in your life, um, for you to just say, what are my natural tendencies? Who do I associate with? Who are the, who am I drawn towards? Mm-hmm. How could I fix a problem? Um, so I, yeah, I encourage everybody, including myself, uh, sit down and think about like, yeah, what, what do I really care about? What, what has God put in me? That's kind of unique from other people in marketing. We call that like your sustainable competitive advantage. It's mm-hmm. something that um, what do you offer that not everybody else could? Yeah. Uh, it's just the, those kind of things are really important for us to identify. Um, yeah, just so you can get a little bit more yeah. clear on like, what is my why? Because yeah. um, I think we've all got the general one. Yeah. We're Christians, we're Christ followers, we're yeah. little Christ. But what practically, God, do you want me to do with that charge? Uh, what is that charge? So, yeah, that's good. Um, 
I think there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. Brother Lawrence. Do you remember Brother oh, Lawrence? Christ in the Presence? Yeah. I think that that's a, a, a good book wreck just in this same category. Guys, think about if you were a monk and your job was to wash dishes. <clears throat> you got the other guys who are like writing down the Bible and transcribing okay. it. You got the ones who are ringing the bells or singing or even the, the lucky guys who get to go and harvest honey from bees and make mead. Yeah. All these guys have cool jobs, and you're stuck over here washing dishes. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a really short book. If you've never heard about it, never um, read it, I need to go buy another copy, and I need to read it again, especially at this point in my life. But it it shows how this one individual made a very disciplined and intentional effort to incorporate his love of God and worship of God directly into his work. goes back to, what was it, Ethod? What was the word you said? Avoda. Avoda. Uh, I started with an E. <laughs> Ethod, e thought, e dude. I was like, uh, yeah. Evoda. So the, oh, the idea of- Evoda, sorry. Uh, if anyone wants to search spell it. A-V-O-D-A-H. That is very different than what I had put in my- I think it actually might be said Avod, but I'm not a Hebrew guy, so I don't know. Okay, good. Spell one more time. A-V-O-D-A-H. So yeah, that Avoda, the idea of um, work, service, worship, all coming under that same umbrella. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um I love that idea. This this monk dude just washing dishes yep. unto the Lord. Yep. Yeah. Colossians 3.23. Work as though you're working for the Lord and not for men. It's good stuff. Uh, go get yourself a foot-long cookie from Subway. And that's all I have for you. That was good. Hope you guys had a good time this week. We'll be back another week. We will. Because we're more consistent now. We have stuff on the calendar. Yeah. And we're, we're committed as per our last episode. So talk to you later. See y'all.